Well, top of the morning, afternoon, or evening to you. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I'm Mindy Osterns. And I'm J.D. O'Cargill. <laughs> and I'm Michelle O'Orego. <laughs> Welcome to Friends <laughs> and then some. <laughs> this is our weekly podcast dedicated to friendship, brought to you by three best friends who have been friends for over two decades since our days back in local news, hoping to help inspire and love you all through the airwaves, through the positivity of friendship, and midlife. And we all have widely different points of view, but we love each other and we embrace one another with humility, honesty, brutal honesty sometimes, and lots of humor. So we hope you have an exciting time with us and feel the love and be inspired, energized, and walk away or drive away with tons of hacks, tips, and tricks to get you through this crazy thing we called life. We are Midlife AF and Flossom AH, and we'll bring you to the luck of the Irish today. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Happy St. Patty's Day, everyone. You know what? We know what's going on in the world. We're here for you. We want to bring positivity and light and such darkness. And no matter what's going on, coronavirus cannot take away the fact that it is St. Patty's Day. Look, I even wore... She's got her green shoes and her green socks on. It's really a thing. So I've got green on because I am 19% Irish. I found out. I thought I was 50%, but... Um, wow. Ancestry.com had another story. Really? That's Turns out I'm more British than Irish. But anyway, that's a <laughs> well, neither here okay, nor there. I will still mates. celebrate St. Patty's. And I know some of you guys are going to be home with your Guinness and making Irish soda bread and corned beef just a little more yeah. intimately with your family members. Yeah. And but Enjoying we're here. all things green. Exactly. We're here to give, make you feel like you're at the party. Right. But we also want to be educated and informative about as much as possible through positivity of what is going on in the current state of affairs. And as you can see, our, our dear, the third of the threesome or the friendship here is home, taking very good uh, intelligent measures to distance. He's got a mother who's um, older at home and is being very cautious about going out. Michelle and I have a six foot distance between us, practicing oh. safe social Hold distancing. On. Let me make oh, sure. Make sure. I'm not going to touch right. that. Ew. We all have to do our part Ew. to lower down Ew. that curve of that six bell. Feet. Exactly. And smooth it out. So yeah. the less uh, the less interaction we have with other people in close quarters, the better. And so that is the advice I've been taking. And um, I'm very excited, though, still to have our podcast happen through modern technology and the beauty that is UBG UBN Go. Wait, who right, are you be? Like, who UBN am I? Go go. UBN go O'Malley's. UBN go go. With Tony O'Sweet over here. Tony O'Sweet on on the board. Well, we we like I said, we want to stay positive. We were so happy that we could, you know, we've just started this thing, and maybe before we were really flattered that you took the time to even listen to yes, little less. But now we're like, well, damn, you ain't got nothing better to do than to listen to our podcast. <laughs> right? We're all home right. and inbound and hunkered down and, you yes, know, quarantined. Right. So we hope to be another place for you to have a little escapism, but also walk away feeling a little informed. And, you know, gosh, what, what is it? At least this isn't a Guinness, a Guinness of virus. <laughs> I know, right? There's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a destination for positivity amongst this time of yeah. true, understandable stress and anxiety. I mean, there's a lot going on in the world. 
I feel like there's been a lot going on in all of 2020. Yeah, I just feel like from Australia year. fires oh. to Kobe O'Brien to now this massive, unprecedented uh, shutdown of everything thanks to the coronavirus, we're going through a lot. JD, why, I'm are sorry. Both, why are you both holding your hand? Because you, you said think- Kobe O'Brien. <laughs> you made him Irish. <laughs> oh my God. See, that's. <laughs> I, hey, you know, if he was here, I feel like he would have said the same thing. I so, think he would. God, God, God bless you, Kobe, for continuing to bring us oh joy. Oh my gosh. Yeah, from, God, from I heaven. love that. We are here in spirit. This is, we're, you know, everyone's we Irish on St. Patty's Day. Yeah, we're not. Nobody is immune to the celebrations. And, um, one thing I feel like, and I don't know if you guys are feeling that sort of the things that I found joy, the guilty pleasures of last week. Yeah. I feel kind of silly about a little oh, bit. Yeah. I mean, even though we all are binge watching some great guilty pleasure shows, but, mm-hmm. you know, one of the hot topics things last week was um, the finale of Bachelor. And even though oh I, my didn't, God. I didn't watch any of The Bachelor, but I, I saw either. clips the next day on all my favorite talk shows of the finale and boy did that cuban mom see now i don't Ooh. know i know so all i saw were memes that said it's not karen anymore it's barb, barb. be a barb, barb. don't be barb well that's what two. i, I wanted to ask you guys I don't know what's are going on. are you a barb parent I have no well idea. let's be let's first let's paint the stage yes. for anybody you're better right now, than because you watch the, the show so let's oh i do i watch it religiously i okay. think that basically the show is targeted towards 43 year old gay men <laughs> that is the demo of the show if people don't know that Sorry, uh, me and a million women, or probably 20 million. Um, so really, if anybody has not been watching The Bachelor, it just wrapped up. And the real takeaway from this season, after so many, like, about 20 several seasons, um, is that The Bachelor had a mother, Barb. Peter is the name of The Bachelor, who was very, very involved in the process and not shy about sharing her feelings about who he should and should not have chosen at the very end. And let me just put it this way. Spoiler alert for anybody who didn't see the Bachelor finale last week or whenever that happened. But um, she does not pick the person who he ends up with. And it creates it created this surge of energy through the entire Bachelor nation. And then some like Mindy and Michelle who are like, wait a second. This is a great way to talk about what kind of parent would you be? What kind of person are you in your child's life? Are you going to tell them the truth no matter how painful it is? Or are you going to sugarcoat it because you want to give them the space to discover, you know, their their mistakes for themselves? I once got a great piece of advice from a YPO resource that spoke to parenting. And the only advice he said, if you if your child brings home someone you do not agree with, the only appropriate response is, hmm, that's an interesting choice. Huh. And that that's is an interesting choice. It. Because they will find their way, either like you or completely opposite of you, depending on the relationship you have with your parents. And if you try to intervene in any way at all, it can it usually goes south. And the more you're just <clears throat> like, okay, is this oh this is this is interesting, so tell us more. They will find their own way. They will find their own peace and happiness. And you know what? If they make in a relationship that it's not good, what's the worst thing that can happen? They go in, they get their heart broken, they they understand it was not for them. And then it ends. That's the worst, right? Hopefully no kids are involved. Well, I think there, there's the one concern that a lot of parents have for their kid is that their ideal mate is someone who is going to is, is out there waiting for their perfect mate. And if in this example, the bachelor Peter chooses the wrong girl right now, now he's made an engagement. Now that's all part of his past. How much less desirable is he going to be to the mate that his mom may want him to have down the road? You know, like you're spending your 
your good your years. Yeah. Well, I'm your one parent now because I, you know, maybe I was, you know, one big um, response I got from a post I did was um, I followed the school bus to the camp one summer a couple years ago and <laughs> I took a picture of the bus and you know, I let them go on a bus. I wanted them to have the experience, but I wanted to make sure the driver was legit and drove my kids to the camp. It was my kind of tradition. The first. <laughs> How day. long was the drive? It was a good thirty-minute drive. It was deep in the mountains. It was Canyon. eight hours. But it's. <laughs> <laughs> but I got so much crap about being a helicopter mom. Helicopter, yeah. snowplow, phases of motherhood where Hot I may not do that now. They're yeah. they're a little older, but. Hells yeah, I did it then, and <laughs> I don't know how I'll be when they're adults. Right. I don't know how involved I'm going to get, but I I fear you know overstepping my boundaries. I fear their natural resistance to my advice as you know rebelling against mm -hmm. the parents. So I know the whole psychology of that, but what what can I do? Anyway, I think that's a whole nother podcast. It's a Today whole we've got some podcast. guests we want to talk yes. to. Today we want to get make... down to the nitty gritty of coronavirus but still be who we are and what we're about and um a wonderful phoner we have today is amy ostick she is an md she's a family physician owner and primary care physician at health and healing direct primary care amy are you with us Yes. Hi, guys. How there are you? There she is. Hi, Hi Amy. Amy. Hi, Amy. Thank you for taking the time Hi. to call in. I know this is the, probably a very crazy, uncertain, ever-shifting, ever-demanding time for you. Talk about a field yes, that it is. is being really it's, it's affected. Pretty, it's pretty, it is. It's pretty unprecedented, for sure. So what are you're you're a family physician and your husband's actually an ER doctor. You guys would, I would say, your line of being doctors is on the front lines of this and, and responding to what's going on and you're constantly having to process new information. What is the one thing of the now that you have to tell us? Yeah, Michelle, you guys, this has been such an evolving process and, uh, and, and my husband, Brian, like you mentioned, is an ER physician and neither of us have been known to be very germaphobic or, um, you know, alarmist when it comes to these types of situations. And even in the last two weeks, we were, uh, I don't, I don't, I think not as worried nearly to the point that we, as we are now. So I think in the last few days, um, just with all of the reports and literature coming out of Italy and the countries that have been hit hardest with this pandemic, what we've learned is that, the social distancing recommendations are not for are not in vain, and they're and they're and they work. So the countries that have really instituted these early um, enough and harsh enough um, have seen a slowing and flattening of the curve, as you mentioned. Um, and so my one point would be that even though it's hard to kind of wrap your head around preventative approaches, because we all feel fine more or less, a lot of us feel fine, and we feel like. It's a pretty low-risk disease, and there's a lot of conflicting information on social media. Um, to take these social distancing uh, recommendations and requirements in some cities and states very seriously to the best of your ability, um, because what we can see is I'm hoping that um, this will play out over in a very slow-moving pace in the next six to nine months, as opposed to hitting us hard in the next two months, and we're having to make tough decisions about 
Um, Ooh, do we have enough scary. ventilators, ICU beds, you know, et cetera. So that's my one hope is that people start taking these social distancing requirements seriously. And that's why J.D., our third, is not in here today. He took it very seriously, and we um, felt we could respect the six-foot distance between us and wanted to still come in and deliver information and content. And, you know, we, we, we were in our cars. We had very limited um, contact with any other people here, straight home, car mm-hmm. to here, and there's nobody in this building. It's very right. quiet. So it is really quiet. We felt here. for us it was a good um, calculated, a calculated risk. risk but um, And I think it's even best with J.D. standing at home. It's probably the best because yeah, now we can have the distance between us and still include him and everyone can feel good about their choices. Amy, I think one thing that yeah, I, I, read yeah. to, I read today that mm-hmm. was really interesting about pandemic, the worldwide spread of a disease that affects large numbers of people. Note that upgrading an epidemic to a pandemic doesn't necessarily mean the disease is more dangerous, just that it's no longer confined to one region. I think, a, is there a lot of misperception, you think, in what pandemic means? I think people think it's when people said pandemic to me, I in my mind, I thought, is this deadlier than I thought it was? Or so it, this really shed light right. on what, what is the difference between an epidemic and a pandemic? It's just numbers, I think it's right? interesting you say that because, you know, during 2009, the swine flu, the WHO, was had, uh, they used the word pandemic pretty early on. And it caused a lot of hysteria. And then um, they actually got sort of, in, uh, I guess, in trouble from different organizations for causing what they thought was sort of false hysteria because the swine flu ended up being um, having a mortality rate of sim- similar to kind of seasonal fr- flu and a little bit more. But w- the, it's just a, it, all it really means is that we're seeing community and local spread in multiple spots around the world. So it doesn't. We've been in a pandemic for a lot longer than we were willing to admit, but I think WHO was just sort of holding off on saying that because they knew yeah. that it would just cause, you know, the toilet paper and the mess around the bank and the stores. And that's the last thing we want to do is we don't want to just tap out all of our resources all at once. But technically speaking, pandemic means, you know, you have multiple spots um, all over the world and you are now seeing community spread, so person-to-person spread that didn't have a history of travel from that particular region so that's where we start to see the pandemic who have you actually seen in your office have you had people come to you and say oh i think i have coronavirus or how have you read these symptoms Um, i think a lot of people that are worried because the coronavirus like you know as you guys have read about is yeah it has very similar upper respiratory symptomatologies to every other virus going around right now so a lot of people are worried. I've tested, you know, one person so far, and that's just because of the severity of the illness. And I was more concerned. Unfortunately, she tested negative. Um, but you know, I right, you know, at first it was, you know, you only test people with a history of travel or a known exposure. And now the CDC has widened that recommendation to really the clinical judgment of of, people, of the physician. But, you know, we also still have to remember there's we are kind of uh, have a scarcity of these testing resources. So we have to still be judicious and algorithmic in our approach. So my approach now is really just um, if you have symptoms, fever especially, and you uh, basically if you can't quarantine for 14 days and or you are uh, around a vulnerable person, like if you uh, like you mentioned, may live with an elderly person or somebody with a comorbid condition, then I might test you. But if you can quarantine yourself and go in lockdown for 14 days, I may not, you know, I, I may not, I hate to say it, but I may not waste a test on you because it's not going to change the treatment. 
Right. Um, you're still going to get quarantined. But if you are around a vulnerable person and we need to know for sure if this is COVID to kind of prepare ourselves for a more acute situation, then that might, you know, determine, you know, the treat our treatment might be a little bit different. So um, if that makes sense. I know it seems right. like it's a little bit of a judgment call, but. Right now, I mean, you know, it's tough because we don't always record these things on the exact day that they air, but um, today is St. Patrick's Day, Tuesday, um, and I'm curious what you think is right now, where are things right now, and where could they go best case scenario, where could they go worst case scenario, and what, in your professional medical opinion, should most people be doing to mitigate the harm? Well, where we are right now, it depends on where you're living. I mean, basically, in L.A. County, we've had 69 confirmed base, uh, cases and one death. Um, you know, in the, the Northwest, they're being hit a little bit hard. In Boston area, they've been hit a little bit hard in terms of how many acute uh, cases they've had and the strain on their healthcare system. Where we are right now from, is really in, like, this planning stages of, a, of in the next couple of weeks of how to allocate resources how to expand our resources. So for instance, in the ERs, where Brian is, my husband, you know, they're trying to determine should they be canceling elective surgeries so that they have those ventilators available? Should they be opening up more space, you know, hiring travel nurses to getting ready for what's to come? That's kind of where we are right now in our region. Um, best case scenario is people, you know, adhere to these social distancing guidelines um, that we will really mitigate this spread and that we will see it won't be a doubling and tripling and exponential growth over the next uh, few weeks, that it will be a slower growth of acute cases coming into the hospital. Now, you have to think about the people, hopefully in the next week or so, we'll have more availability to test. So we start, we may start testing in the drive-by, drive-through testing of the more mild symptoms. So we will report more cases, but the mortality rate and severity will go down with that as well. Um, that's best case scenario. Worst case scenario is that the rain stops, people get frustrated and they're just like, forget it. And I'm going outside. And then, and, and that worst case scenario, even worse than that would be if people are sick and they start going outside. Um, mm. that would be my biggest concern. You know, if you have symptoms, absolutely quarantine yourself. I mean, the reason that we have such unprecedented, um, uh, actions being taken by our government from shutting down the state of California, shut down restaurants, gyms, bowling alleys, you know, any groups of 50 or larger and other states have gone as, you know, low as 10 people or larger. What, what is the message that is really being sent to us? Is it that, you know, that these unprecedented changes to our daily life are, they're for our own good for a reason, because what could happen if we don't do it? Right. I think that's, um, and that's, it is, it's so unprecedented. I mean, I, I don't think any of us can remember anything of this in our lifetime of this nature. I mean, especially these measures. And we're a pretty like liberal. I mean, our country is all about freedom and individuals' rights as well. You know, we're, it would take a, it takes a lot for the federal government to crack down on this, especially. And so I think they are absolutely taking the cue from the countries that didn't do it early enough and are being absolutely overwhelmed because of the novel naive state of us with this virus. All of us will get, 50% of us will test positive for this virus by this time next year. So we're all going to get exposed at some point. We just don't want to all get exposed at once. That's and, that's, and, and that's the purpose. 
do you feel do they know yet is this like one of those viruses like chicken pox or such will you when you're exposed to it and you get it you're going to build immunity to it and there and that will be helpful they don't know and so a lot of the coronaviruses what they're what, and that's a great question a lot of coronaviruses you develop kind of a partial immunity to so the next time you see it you get kind of a milder case um and so far what they've seen is just so early, they haven't really seen any reinfected cases. So people that test positive get better and then test positive again. I mean, it's just too to tell. But if, if it trends in the way of other coronaviruses in that family, it will provide some partial immunity. And then, and then obviously you have that herd immunity protection and then the transmission is a lot less. But so that's hopefully that's the case. And obviously the other hope, hope is that we get a vaccine out of this in the next 12 to 18 months. Dr. Ostick, we are so appreciative. Sorry, J.D., I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I know we're, we're moving along pretty quickly here. We are extremely appreciative of the time you've taken to call in here and give us some time and attention with your expertise and your opinion on the outlook of what's going on. And I can assure you we're all going to do our part to influ- you know, I- implement these, these measures in our communities and our homes, and we encourage our so listeners much, to do the Amy. same. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Yeah. I know you're so busy, and we thank appreciate you, guys. you spreading the word in this format. Thank you. And thank and good luck to you, and My I hope pleasure. you are Take care. safe and, and, and you have a very minimal impact in your and own family. And enjoy maybe so. some Irish soda bread Happy today. St. Patrick's Day. You might be enjoying so. with your family. <laughs> May you remain life, top life of the morning and top of your health. <laughs> thank okay. you. All right. Take Thanks, care. Bye, guys. Amy. Take care. So now Bye. we have on the phone... Um, another wonderful person who is an expert in her field. It's a different lane. Who is that on the phone? Is this Nancy? Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Give me some Irish dun, dun, dun. I don't know how to say dun, dun, dun in Irish. <laughs> no. Well, Nancy say- Anesta, she's an L.A.-based partner on employment law. Oh, there's somewhere where people are being. Nancy, Woo. thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, uh, morning. Hi, Nancy. Happy St. Patty's Day. I'm very happy to be here. Well, this is this is not my usual venue. No. Well, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy day, and you're a busy lawyer as it is. Lots of cases, lots of courtroom. Um, I will that's say, your lane. with this um, whole virus, there's not going to be a lot of pinching people this time of year if we're not wearing no, green. Nobody's so. going to get pinched. No, yeah. no lawsuits, wearing green, no We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but we had you on today. JD and, and, and Mindy are here with me. And Nancy, we had you on here today um, on this beautiful Tuesday to tell us about what's the current state of, we, we've seen so many news broadcasts about what's happening in the employee employer world employees are terrified that they're going to get fired if they don't come to work or there's no paid sick leave at their job or employers are afraid of shutting down what are you dealing with on the front lines of that industry so um, my firm, Baker Hostetler, where I work, um, has basically set up a task force. We've been dealing with these issues probably for about at least three weeks now. And we've been doing webinars and advising our clients. Most of our clients are employers. So the first go-round was really how to keep people safe and what are our obligations. And quite frankly, we really are treading in waters that where no one has been. 
So um, what we really did was do our research and figure out, okay, what is applying in this situation? Because the current laws, of course, don't mention necessarily these, these um, you know, extreme situations. So we did a lot of advising to employers on, you know, what their obligations are. Because first and foremost, um, under OSHA standards and other standards under state and federal law, um, employers do have an obligation to provide a safe working environment. Now, that is very tricky in this type of environment because can you really, you know, can you really keep all of your employees safe, especially for those who work in the service industry? You know, we're not just dealing with people or clients who have office buildings and they just have to make sure that they are self-contained in their offices. We're also dealing with clients who have hotels and how do you keep the hotel workers safe? So we really did a lot of advising. And, and one thing I can say is that employers are very concerned and were very concerned um, about their employees and trying to make sure that they were doing everything they could to protect them. We've kind of shifted now because it seems like the world is kind of coming to a screeching halt for a period of time. Yeah. I think most of the employers we advised really did implement all the measures that we advised, whether it was, you know, really all about communication, education. And it's very much the same types of things that they're telling people to do at home and that they were telling people to do at school over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, is having good hygiene, washing your hands, um, you know, and making sure that if you're sick, that you're getting proper care and treatment. So um, it, it really delves into more than anything else what I think is so clear in all of these situations that it's really, it's really focused on the human aspect of these things, of, um, you know, the reality of what people, you know, people coming to work and having to take care of their families. I mean, we've dealt with every issue, including what do we do with parents whose kids are home? And I think it's highlighted to some degree that these issues, there really isn't kind of a net to deal with these issues um, of sick leave and everything else. But the government is trying to implement something. We have sent out an alert today um, because I don't know if you know, but the House, um, the House of Representatives did pass some legislation that really is geared towards providing employees who work under certain employers. So it's not going to be all employees, but it's going to be employees who work for companies with, with five, under 500 people will have certain eligibility for both sick leave. So 14 days of paid sick leave and will also potentially be eligible for um, additional FMLA leave. And FMLA leave is usually leave to care for yourself when you're sick or to care for a family member when you're sick. And that leave is, is being contemplated by Congress to be expanded so that more people are covered in the context of the coronavirus. And if they get it, I can imagine that's going to be somebody a lot of paperwork. It, yeah. A lot of paperwork. That's, that's right. going to be or, a lot of paperwork that doesn't even exist in the world. Like you said, this is unprecedented. You're, as a legal firm, are going to have to come up with so much terminology that's never even 
existed in this world or never been written before and and what kind of credentialing will that employee have to go through or employer to get that money back and you're right we've got kids out of school and for two weeks or more and what does that parent do they're not sick but their child has been mandated to stay home and then you've got if you're working with hotels and other industries of that nature in the service industry it's they're not getting paid sick leave reaching. it's a huge broad net but we're of we're sympathetic to what you're going to be going through you're going to be a trailblazer in this nancy i i have all well, the faith in the world that you're going to would you know, it be okay I just, if I asked Nancy a quick question? Yeah, go ahead. I, I wanted I to say something, too. I know she's, um, you know, so much of what you're talking about is, you know, there's a lot of anxiety and fear right now, especially amongst America's lower working class, people that might be working paycheck to paycheck, feeling like, you know, if I don't go in and serve those 600 people that are going to come to the drive through at McDonald's this weekend, I'm not going to be able to pay for my rent next week. What can we tell those people in terms not only of what kind of resources are going to be available to them, but the speed at which those resources might be available, since many of them may have gotten paid on Friday and aren't going to get any more money for another week or two. And on the heels of that, I know that like even Mitt Romney just made an announcement. He thinks that every adult should get a thousand dollars during this outbreak. And that's an interesting plan. But how the likelihood of that actually happening thousand dollars is nothing in LA. But it's better than nothing. Like right. it's better than nothing. And so, Amy, can you add uh, uh, speak to that? Yeah, I mean, I can speak to that a little bit. And the first thing I want to say is that we're really, we live in California. And so as it is tough and all of the things you mentioned are very difficult, but California really does have some things in place that are helpful. First of all, we have, you know, mandatory paid sick leave for employees. So a lot of employees in California have something that governors across the country are now implementing on an emergency basis. And quite frankly, the legislation that's being considered nationwide is painted to basically create a sick leave policy or a sick leave program that for a lot of employees doesn't otherwise exist. So what I would tell employees here in California is know what your benefits are, know what your accrual is, look to see what benefits you have because you are going to be allowed to use those sick leave benefits to attend to these circumstances. The second thing California has is protection, which it's called, I think, school activities leave protection. And it basically grants and entitles employees to 40 hours of leave. It's not paid leave, but it is leave if they have to go attend to activities at their children's school. And the law does include in that a provision that that includes, for example, unexpected school closure. So it doesn't include spring break because it's anticipated, but that if there's a, you know, sudden school closure, you are going to get, you at least have the entitlement to be able to have job protected leave for that period of time. And I think that that is going to be very helpful for those in California. And the third thing is, I know it's, it's, it probably won't happen as quickly as we would like it to. Um, but the legislation that's being passed through Congress could provide some pretty quick relief. And it's going to provide pretty quick relief because it's going to go into effect very quickly. Employers are going to have to abide by it and will have to almost immediately start paying out whatever sick time is approved in connection with that statute. Now, the way, that, the way that they did this so people could get the money is 
what they're doing is offering those companies tax breaks, but that's going to be at a later time. So it's going to be, hey, company, you're going to have to basically front the money. You're going to have to deal with this crisis immediately by paying the sick leave, maybe paying the leave that people need in order to take care of a sick family member or to take care of their children. And then after that, you can, we'll give you a tax credit for it. So, I mean, to alleviate people, some of people's, you know, fears, um, there really are things that are in place that are getting worked out that hopefully will at least mitigate some of the loss. Oh, thank you, thank Amy. You, a little, you little, really shed a lot of light on. A little light of hope. That's yes, what we yeah, all need right, right now. Yeah. So thank you for uh, your time. We really appreciate it, Nancy. We'll be in touch as this story unfolds and, um, you know, these laws will be created because it'll be a whole new yeah. chapter. Thank you, Nancy, for hey, calling I'm in. Like- you're welcome. And go yeah, and be you, with your families, I say. Enjoy you that too. time with Enjoy your some you Irish soda bread. Yes. Irish soda bread or a Guinness. Go home or and have a yourself a Guinness. <laughs> Stay away from the pub and have <laughs> yourself a Guinness at home. <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored by Guinness, but it no, should be. No, it's not. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. Be well. Well, Thank with you. us now. With Thanks, us, everyone. Bye, sweetie. Thank you so much. And now on the phone, we have a, another amazing expert in his field, um, Peter Greenberg, the travel oh, detective. The travel detective. Mm. Top of the afternoon to you, Peter. Happy St. Patty's Day, Peter. Help us solve this mystery. <laughs> I'm right back at you. <laughs> well, well, Ireland is closed right now, so no snakes are coming in or out. <laughs> oh, snakes on the I'm plane. Fr- I'm afraid everything's closed right now. <laughs> yeah. So you're calling from the beautiful NYC, correct? Where are you I today? am, which resembles a little bit of a ghost town. Oh, yes. uh, Give us a I briefing on I your New York life. I decided to take a walk in the afternoon and, and literally walked up the middle of Madison Avenue where the cars usually are. That That's how dead so, it was. It reminds me of that movie with Will Smith, I Am Legend. Oh, <laughs> it was yeah. just abandoned. Yeah, like, no, are there any deer running through the street yet? No? No deer? Okay. We're good. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh dear. Oh dear, Peter. So Peter, you're you're the travel point of view on this whole whole situation. There's a lot of this is Mindy. There's a lot of uh impact and um fallout that is going to happen from this. And we'd really love to I I have a travel I have started a travel company. It's a new travel company and I'm just recognizing that nobody's booking right now. So, mm-hmm. where are you Well, it's it's more than it's more than nobody booking right now. Let's put this in perspective. Please what do. Most people don't realize until something like this happens. It happened after 9-11. It happened after the volcano erupted in Iceland back in 2010. And it's happened again now. And that's when people suddenly come up with the revelation that travel is a huge business. In fact, mm-hmm. it's one of the largest industries in the world. It's one out of every 10 jobs. What's even more important, it's one out of every five new jobs. So now you close that down and you realize the devastating impact on the economy and people's livelihood worldwide. Wow. And what do you think of the response right now, where we are in the United States right now with regards to travel, travel recommendations by the by the administration? Are things happening the way they're supposed to be happening? Well, first and foremost, let's take a look at the infrastructure. Every airline is down to about 30 percent of their normal schedule. And even at that schedule, they're not carrying very many passengers. They're hemorrhaging money, and they're, and they're bleeding money at an unprecedented rate. So what you're seeing in this country doesn't even compare to how bad it is overseas. We could probably lose 
six different airlines overseas oh, over the gosh. next three weeks. That's how critical it is. And we're not talking about airlines that will just go bankrupt. We're, we're talking about airlines that could easily go into liquidation and oh, never come back. Oh, my gosh. That's, it's a big impact on, I would say, travel is the heaviest hit industry in this in a negative way. Mm-hmm. What what did you see with in New York particularly all of the Americans that were in Europe were able to come back. There was like an influx and a lot of the stories in the news were about how they were trying to to funnel them through these different sort of new customs that but they didn't have the staffing. What happened over there that you could tell us about? Well, the confusion started with President Trump's first speech when he basically said all travel Nobody. from Europe was banned. He neglected to mention that Americans right. were exempt from that and American right. residents were exempt from that. So what that created an, a, a terrible panic overseas as Americans were racing to get out what they thought were the last flights out at prices mm-hmm. that were outrageously high. Oh and God. then when they got on those planes, uh, the U.S. airports were not set up for that number of passengers based on the fact that they had to go through those protocols of, of getting their temperature or screened. And right. it delayed them, in many cases, four hours once they landed in very close proximity to themselves, so much for social distancing. Uh, exactly. In a press conference the yesterday, the administration that we're trying to avoid, claimed right? that, they, that they fixed the problem. Uh, my wife is on her way back right now from Istanbul. She'll be landing in about two hours. Oh and it'll gosh. be interesting to see if they, if they, if they fixed it. That is so. What, what is your prediction? My prediction is, of course, they haven't. Right. So uh, she's going to be in a is, holding pattern. They don't have the staff. They don't have the manpower. No. They don't, they wouldn't even have that in normal times. Uh, you know, the the, uh, the the process right now is overwhelming the ability of the system to, to handle it. Oh my gosh! What about Peter? From your standpoint, why? With what happened in Italy, and then why do you think it was Italy after China? What can you describe to us? Maybe this was holiday travel, like in a perspective nothing of the do, no, nothing to do with holiday travel. Absolutely nothing to do with holiday travel. What it has to do with is how viruses travel. You know, we live in a world of global connections or global connectivity. Mm-hmm. People don't just take nonstop flights; they connect. So, for example, Mm -hmm. if you take a look at airports like Doha and Qatar or the Emirates in Dubai or Abu Dhabi, 80% of the people who fly to those airports aren't going to those airports. They're flying through those airports. So when you start taking a look at the realm of possibilities of how things can be contracted and how they can travel, the the possibilities are almost endless. So all you needed was one or two people coming back to Italy from China maybe or maybe not transiting at another point mm. and then coming into contact with people while they were infectious and then it becomes you know exponential in return considering what we know about how this um uh, virus is transmitted from person to person surprised that the travel industry would be suffering because especially the close proximity of people on cruise ships and airplanes and other forms of mass tran- uh, transfer so Knowing that a pandemic is a possibility of all the terrible tragedies that can happen from earthquake to floods and famine, we knew the pandemic was a possibility. And we've had them before with SARS and MERS and Ebola. So 
where was the preparedness for the travel industry to take something like this, to be able to, it was, was it, is it, is this such an unprecedented turn of events that no one could be prepared? Well, you know, it goes back to Ebola and SARS and MERS and Zika. Uh, it's not a travel industry situation. It's a government situation. When you tell, when you see governments that are so totally dependent on their economies on travel and tourism, yeah. on the flow of people and goods and services, they are often reluctant to close the door. It's the last thing to uh, close. And when they do close the door, usually it happens after the animals have left the barn. Uh, right. So, you know, what they're trying to do now with, with closing the door to the United States uh, is basically after, after the horses have left the barn is again. So they're just trying to buy a little time now to slow the spread. They certainly can't stop it right now. Right. What is your one hope that this obviously pandemic virus spread part of our, you know, uncharted territory? What is your one hope that this will bring in a silver lining to the travel industry? Or is there anything? Well, I, 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 I have a fear before I have a hope. Mm. Okay. I want to My hear fear both. is that with everybody being essentially under self-quarantine or imposed quarantine, with everybody working from home, with everybody basically saying, I don't want to get close to anybody, that we might actually get used to that. Mm. And we might see the dissolution of community. Mm, especially uh, where in our after young kids. so many weeks, people are going to say, you know, I don't want to go to the office anymore. I just want to stay home. Or I don't want to go out to dinner anymore. I'm just going to order it and watch Netflix. And the next thing you know, we're all going to be siloed. No one's going to have a conversation. Uh, and community, you know, gets, uh, gets well, on the verge of evaporation at that point. That's, That's my fear. so crucial to my, our humanity. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary to me. Uh, in terms of travel, that's a different story. That's the good news. The good news is we are a nation, or I should say we are a culture, that doesn't just want to travel. We need to travel. Yeah. It's in our cultural DNA. We don't like to stay home a lot. We like to get going and get out. The question is, how do we, you know, who do we go with, or can we go in a group? But bottom line is, within the next four to six weeks, uh, once this disease gets mitigated and controlled, it may not get get totally wiped out. But once it gets controlled, you're going to see a, a pent up demand like you've never seen before of people who cannot wait to get out of town. Now, I think that, yeah. here's the problem. Go ahead. The problem is in the, the cruise industry, they're suffering oh. from some serious image problems right now. You know, if you put this in perspective, there are 365 cruise ships that normally sail the oceans of the world. How many cruise ships are actually adversely affected by the virus and were stopped. It's like three. Three. Right? That's less than one percent. Yeah. And yet the images were so powerful and intense that mm -hmm. everybody's convinced that they're nothing but floating petri dishes. Or even worse, that if they get on one and somebody coughs, they'll be quarantined and stuck in a foreign country for three weeks. For weeks. So yeah. when all of this is said and done, they've got their work cut out from them from an image perspective to let people know that the odds are still overwhelmingly in their favor to have a great experience. You know, Airlines is another story. They will come back, uh, obviously, faster. because that they're a means of transportation as opposed to an experience, and they're say, critical to the infrastructure. I will say, I feel like humanity as a whole, we are very quick to forgive and move on. We want to get back to a place of joy. We want to get back to a place of comfort. And, and you know, after 9-11, no one wanted to fly. Mm -hmm. No one wanted to fly for a while. Well, actually— 
actually, to tell you, after 9-11, nobody wanted to fly over a body of water. Right. And that was a very interesting reaction because they were worried about terrorism. So right. the one sector, this is ironic at this point, but the one sector of the travel industry that was able to adapt quickly was the cruise industry mm. because they could literally reposition their assets. That's and crazy. they moved their ships out of the Mediterranean, uh, out of the Caribbean, to all U.S. ports, to ports that didn't even know they had ports, Galveston and Mobile, Alabama, and, 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 you know, and Baltimore and Philadelphia. And all of a swing. sudden they became drive-to destinations, and people felt comfortable because they could just take their car for an hour, go to the port, and go for a seven-day cruise. The problem now is a lot more complicated. Yeah, it is complicated. But do you feel like, okay, on another on another note, if you're a traveler and you're not like paralyzed by fear, this could be the best time Like at the end of this pandemic. And when we get to a place of healing, this could be the best time well, ever pricing. to travel. Pricing what do you think about it... pricing? Yes, well, right now it's already happened you know we mm-hmm. were seeing airfares from los angeles to hawaii for 99 dollars. oh my goodness from boston to london for 250 dollars. you can't take the boston to new york shuttle for 250 dollars. No. <laughs> so remember. traditionally given the law of supply and demand the travel industry will try to discount their way out of this once they can and for and what you're going to see is a buyer's market on an almost global scale not just for the first few months but for the rest of 2020. Wow. Really? Because they're just desperate to get back that money that was lost during these peak moments of uh, closure, huh? Well, they're never going to, no, they're, they're never going to get that money back. That's revenue that they'll never recoup. No. They just got to get back. They got to get back in business. They just got to get back and get up in the air. Yeah. Uh, And you're going to see, with the exception of the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and the Friday before Super Bowl, if you get my drift, Mm -hmm. there will be discounts on a global scale. Mm -hmm. Really? How about you, Peter? What is your personal take right now? Are you going to put your travel on hold as long as the mandate and then just let your wings fly? Or what is your, I mean, you plan your, I mean, you're such a busy guy. Your your plan of travel is probably all the way through spring of 2021. What? How are you readjusting is, your again- life? It is, but remember, travel is news, and it changes all the time. So my schedule is often done on on an Etch-A-Sketch machine. Uh, (laughs) However, my travel has been put on hold now not by me, but by countries that have closed their borders. So I can't fly to Australia tomorrow because I'd have to to be in quarantine for 14 days. I can't go to any part. I can't go to Austria. I can't go to France. I can't go to Italy. I can't go to the United Kingdom. I mean, it, it gets a little crazy. So at this point, Uh, I will concentrate on domestic travel. There are a lot of stories I can still do. Obviously, I will will practice uh, personal hygiene protocols that we should all practice. Yes. And uh, and we'll get through it. But in terms of international travel, I will be on the very first plane once I know I can get out. But right now, no one's going anywhere. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's an old saying, you know, what's the one thing the rat should do if he's ever caught in the trap? The answer is eat the cheese. So... (laughs) Right now, we're just going to have to adjust because we're not going anywhere. But the cheese has been moved. <laughs> right, J.D.? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someone moved my cheese. Rotten. Yeah, I think, what do you, Peter, I'm just curious, what do you think about the response? Do you feel, based on your expertise in the travel industry and um, probably having had some experience in really scary times of the past, like we talked about 9-11 and other uh, contagious diseases, what, um, there's that balance, right? Like, we, less, we don't want to come across like saying, you know, we're, 
we feel that the measures being taken in the travel industry, because they're hurting the travel industry's economy, that it's somehow not appropriate. Are these appropriate measures? And is this just part of doing business when your business involves something that could be turned over by a national crisis or a global crisis? Well, I want to make something clear, and that is, as a journalist, my job is not to promote travel or sell it. So I'm, I'm there to report on it and then hopefully give people you know, the right information that they can make intelligent choices. And right now, based on the information that I have and that I've reported, uh, the appropriate response is what we're doing now. We, we should stay where we are and, 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 and listen to the authorities because they're not speaking out of an abundance just of caution. They're speaking out of an abundance of information and facts. And we right. need to respect that. Right. A lot of which came from China and Italy and the countries before us, right, that have experienced the same thing. And they provide a, a route for how to do it, or how not to do it, and what the circumstances and consequences might be of those choices. Exactly. We have role models here. The Koreans have done a great job. Mm -hmm. uh, the Chinese, you know, they, they were in denial for a while. Uh, uh, Spain might be doing a good job now because they saw what happened in Italy. Uh, and it, as fast as we can move, we should move. Uh, it, now, it's, is it going to disrupt our lifestyle? You bet. Is it going to disrupt our, disrupt our fi family scheduling and family dynamic? Absolutely. Are we going to have other problems that come out of it? Inevitably. But first and foremost, you've got to mitigate the spread of the disease. And the only way we do that is basically staying where we are. You know, I saw a meme on that idea about the inconvenience of this that talked about, you know, look, our grandparents went off to war. We can sit on the couch for a few days. We can be inconvenienced for a few days. This is our sacrifice for the betterment of the community and the global, the global condition. So I think. I say that I say that every night I watch Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Peter, just one more question, and I know you're such a busy guy, but I'm so fascinated. I could talk to you for days. Um, and um, one one question that really fascinates me is you're you're such an expert on different cultures and how you know like let's say italy italy is such a you know you kiss when you say hi i know they're dance, so touchy touchy feely there's different cultures that i know that was one of your biggest fears like how is this going to change our socialization i i actually thought about it in children like our kids this is a landmark moment right in their lives they're gonna grow up and go oh my gosh remember when i was i remember when i was 10 and there was this huge outbreak um they've already like my my son this morning had a uh, zoom or play date on they were exchanging hockey cards over the ipad there you go. And <laughs> and my other one, you know, I think they adapt better than we do because yeah. they're in that world. Like my son was on his headphones talking to his best friend. One time we had a play date and the, the his best friend goes, hey, can you take me home, Miss Michelle? And I was like, wait, <laughs> why? You're on a sleepover. He goes, well, I want to go home and play with Soul on the video game. On the video <laughs> I want to play against him. Uh, so can I go back home? And we're, well, they just have one. a different Here's way of my... adapting than we do to all this. But culturally, well, who do you think is going to change? My real concern here is that, and, and by the way, this predates the, the coronavirus, by the way. It's been my concern for many, many years. And that is, we are fast losing the art of the conversation. Yes, we are. I and, agree with you, Peter. And I really worry about that every single day. Although I will tell you, if you've seen the way the, the Italians have reacted, they've opened their windows. Oh, They're all hanging out singing. of their windows. 
and they're serenading the, the, the medical professionals on the street. So beautiful. Uh, they are doing whatever they can to maintain their sense of community, and we should learn from them. I agree right. with you. I think that this is the well time said. we're going to come together and recognize about how important community is. Right now, more than ever, social distancing is one thing, but you can't lose connections with people. That's so important. And I'll tell you what, I've been home. We cooked dinner last night with my family, my kids. We're planning meals. I mean, our refrigerator is full. You know, we're doing things that silver lining, so right? easily distracted. Um, you know, Peter, I have a, I launched a, um, a travel company, so to speak, with a friend. And it's a concierge travel called Black Key Travel. And we have this. Have you ever heard of the Wanderlist? Have you ever heard of the Wanderlist? Sure. You know, like Wanderlust? Sure. Well, we have that aspect where you can go in and you create your bucket list for travel. And I'm thinking, what a great time to go in and get your bucket list for the future. As a family, go in and find out what are your future travel. I mean, you think of like, right. what are we going to do when we're home? We Maybe we can't travel now. But we can dream of it, and we can see it, and we can look at the future, the Visualize. possibility. And as a family, you can come together, and we can plan our futures. Because travel, like you said, is inherent part of our who we are as human beings. We are nomads of the planet. We love to be another, and we want to touch the corners of the world. And if that ever went away, I think it would just crush us as a soul. So there's I opportunities know. for dreams well, for, you to know, be. To me, it, it gets back to my definition of a goal. My definition of a goal, which really applies to travel, is a dream with a deadline. And that's what people should do. But they shouldn't be so literal as to come up with like a bucket list. Too many people have the same things on their bucket list. For right. me, I burn all the bucket lists. <laughs> my only list, I do. My only list is every place I've never been. Not the places I want to go. Every place I've never been, and then That's go. That's a long list. I love it. Just no, yeah, his list is way shorter. Well, than Well, yours is Mars. shorter. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> an exception to that. Much everywhere I can <laughs> imagine, <laughs> the bucket list. It's very. You don't even have a bucket. Yours is like a reservoir. It's full. <laughs> so, do you think our bounce back will be summer? When when we when we, I mean, all of us parents are. I was already planning the summer, like which week, week, not, there's nine weeks in summer. And us parents are like, okay, which camp are we going to? What, when are we going to go visit family back east? Oh, one of my friends once had, had a trip planned to Italy. One of, another friend, her wedding was going to be in Italy. Yeah, a lot of weddings and things. Well, without sounding too uh, cavalier about this, there are two five-letter words that I detest. One is plans. And the other is later. Plans. And if anything the coronavirus has taught us is plans are not a good idea because they don't work. Um, and later is a word that should be excised from our vocabulary because every time we use that word in a sentence, we either don't do it as well or we don't do it at all. Mm -hmm. The key is not plans and the key is not later. The key is adjusting. And that's what we have to do. We're adjusting now. And in the process of that adjusting, We'll figure out, in short order, where we want to go as well as where we don't go, and then let's just go. I yeah. love it. I like you know, that. I love the way that sounds, and I also really appreciate for a lot of maybe even, you know, uh, working class folks or lower income folks, you know, if they just keep their uh, wits about themselves and, and hold through this most painful part of the crisis, you know, if what we look to South Korea and other countries that are getting through this, there may be a chance down the road, you know, of course, with adjusting in mind and not making plans or thinking about this for later, but just the silver lining may be that some people who may not otherwise have been able to experience certain kinds of 
travel might be able to because if they act at you know the right time and and once this crisis has passed they might be able to um, take advantage of some of the deals that are being made by the travel industry to recuperate some of the money that's been lost during this crisis yep listen that's your silver lining and that's part of adjusting mm-hmm. well i like that adjust i love it adjust, adjust. Don't well, make plans we, for later. Just adjust. And that's appreciate the key word you, today. Peter, and adjust. And I love the five-letter words thing. That's my big takeaway. Plans and later, just neither of that. They need to be wiped out of your vocabulary. Peter, we'll be watching you. Peter Greenberg, you, Peter. the travel Please detective. Uh, where can we hear more you from you? Where can we hear more from you? Do you want to plug, plug in anything? anything right now? Well, sure. My, my radio show is on every week. You can uh, find it online at petergreenberg.com or distributed by CBS News. It's three hours every week from a distant remote location somewhere in the world. And of course, <laughs> our website, which we update every week with all the news you need to know, we're not, we're not transactional, we are just informational, has the most imaginative name possible, and that's petergreenberg.com. Wow, that's really <laughs> clever. That's amazing. Oh, the travel detective. We love you. Yeah. Thank Peter you, Detective. Thank Thanks, you for guys. Get back out there, buddy. He's an Irishman today. Peter O. Greenberg. <laughs> Have yourself a St. Peter O. Greenberg. Bye, guys. He's wearing green all the time. Thank you, Peter. You got it. Thank you, Peter. Wow. Well, man, great. those are really good resources. Yeah. All three. Three points of view. Yeah. Three we got the medical point of view. We got the legal and employer law point of view. And then we got the travel industry point of view. That is really three of the probably the biggest concerns that are on people's minds right now. You yeah, know? that's really interesting. Well, we hope we've been a service to you guys. And um, I just want to know, is the stock market going to recover? <laughs> Everything bounces back. <laughs> oh, my God. Are we going to have a little bit of St. Patrick's Day fun before we go? Because, you know, we want to leave people. You know, the bottom line is we're still living, right? Everybody, we're, we're still, still living. Well, I still got my ear, my and unicorn ears on. I know we never on. took a, a moment to be not <laughs> serious. serious with as a, exactly. You have a unicorn theme going on for sure. I do. I got well, rainbows I think on my ears. One thing we could do is do our wigging out, yeah. even though we're even though we we positive, we could still be wigging out and be funny about what things scare us. Yes, right? we do. Are you we ready? Don't to have to out? be terrorized. Let's wig it out. Wig it out. Oh. <laughs> it's time to wig out. We got our same, this kind of St. Patty's wig. Well, situation. yeah, the redhead from We're Ireland. Like Irish you're twins. Merida from Brave. You look like Merida, Merida from Brave. I kind of look like a. Are you a bunch of? You're both a bunch of. <laughs> you look like a leprechaun's girlfriend. I cannot oh, yeah. get enough of you. My name's Barb. <laughs> All right. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. <laughs> Yay! Well, so we are wigging out in case you're listening only and not seeing us. We have transformed into wigs because this is our segment called Wigging, wigging out. out. And well, you we can like go to... on to UB and Go and you can look right. at us. Or you can Facebook. watch our podcast or Facebook and, and watch or you our can big just visualize po- how ridiculous we look. Yeah, we've got a, right. a shamrock and we've got green and we've got ears, we've got antenna. And JD is a remote. I am a rock star inspired leprechaun. JD my, has my, a pot of gold on his head right now. I have a pot of gold on my head, surrounded by the green beauty of beads, all the way from Ireland. <laughs> all the way from Ireland. So, JD, you want to talk out. first about what you're wigging out about? All right, I'll go first. I am wigging out about the sad state of the cinema industry and um, mm. moviegoers in general right now. Listen, 
I get it. This is important. Everything that we're going through, self-quarantining, isolation, social distancing, imperative. So I'm not saying anything about that. But it is just timing wise, because you know, so many movies have the benefit of not having come out yet. And so they slid their release dates. So Mulan and the, the new James Bond uh, film and um, so many other movies have just slid their release dates down or some of them you know, haven't even picked a new date yet. They're I just know, moving all the way but to the, the film. Fall that I wanna talk about, that I'm wigging out about is Disney Pixar's Onward. It was a beautiful, beautiful, heartfelt film. Some people saying it's as beautiful as Up and, and Wall-E from the Pixar community, um, the Pixar studio system. You know, just a really great tale. And typically a movie like this would have opened and probably be crossing the 100 or $200 million mark now its second week in release. But it, and it was the number one movie in the country last week with just over $12 million. So. This is a movie that a lot of people haven't seen that I'm hoping they will see. You know, Disney made the unprecedented move to sort of release the release date of rentability of Frozen 2 two months early so that it would That's give home, home, people who are self-quarantining at home with their families a chance to watch some entertainment. Maybe they do something like that with Onward. Maybe they do a re-release. But I'm very excited for that film. I hope to get an audience once all of this madness has passed and people are looking for a great story to help inspire them and also just a beautiful tale for the whole family. I think that's great. What a nice plug for a film. I, JD, you and I saw Finding Nemo together early, early on when that first came out. And right. I mean, that almost like, you know, when you have such a good experience with someone, you just, it's, it seals the deal for enjoying animated films forever. I'm going to always have, but when you and I sat there and laughed so hard at Finding Nemo, I just I it, like renewed my, my passion for animation. And so I get so excited about animated films. So Thank you for the recommendation. We'll definitely be checking it out when it comes out. I know. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it. Is it, I mean, theaters are closed, but when they open and people are still fearful, <sighs> I miss movie maybe popcorn. that's when you go because you know it won't be crowded. Yeah. And they're, they've opened the theaters back and you can have your movie I wonder movie if they'll popcorn. keep it open for me. I'm wigging out about no movie popcorn for God I just, yeah, long. that's my, oh. the smell Okay, of can we talk popcorn. about food now okay. since we're segueing into that? What are you wigging out about, Michelle? Okay, so I'm wigging out about food. Yep. And um, I, you know, we all panic. I know it's hard to take me seriously in this wig. I, <laughs> well, you're talking about food, things. so it's oh fun. God, food things. is fun. Food is life. You're quite so, a sexy redhead, by the way. Oh, very, yeah, very, you. like, you know. Merida. Merida. <laughs> Hello. Um, so food is my issue. And obviously, if you look at me, it might be a bigger issue. But I'm really concerned about everybody hoarding at the grocery stores. I went in in full mode. Not that I was panicking or you know, freaking out. I just thought, you know, I need to be prepared. So I'm going to go with this flow. I'm going to go in the flow and be prepared. And as I went to, diff like I told you guys before, like I don't just shop at one grocery store. I shop at Ralph's for, you know, your perishables Certain and things. things like that. So you go and to then, multiple stores. Yes, Whole Foods for produce. Spreading contamination and everywhere. I spread it all okay, over good, the place. Yeah. And I spent good. more money than I can afford on food because I have a budget, weekly budget. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, what are we? I did that, I want to say Thursday yeah. I did that because that was when everybody said, mm -hmm. get to the market. Yeah. We're going to have breaking news. This is all going to mm -hmm. close down. My I think I sent you that text. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She <laughs> made it's us me. panic like crazy. I have the inside scoop. Um, so <laughs> anywho, the reason Costco is sold out for an money. entirely different reason this month. Exactly. <laughs> But what would have groceries could have lasted me if I trickled 
my t- buy time yeah. once a week would last me theoretically through the month. But because it's all a full pantry, and most parents will know, and anybody else, when you go and you go hard on food or, like, for entertaining, you're going to have a party, and you have that full pantry and fridge, your family eats through it mm-hmm. uh, and you way have boys faster. too, that just, like, they're yeah, vacuums. they're ravishing. They're vacuums. And they're like, wow, look at all this we got. I uh, mean, we went through three bags of chips in two days. Oh, Lord. I'm not uh, talking the family size. I'm talking about, like, that size. But yeah. Like a regular, bag and I'm of not chips. gonna. I'd like to send my kids down the river, but it wasn't all their fault. Uh, and I'm because I'm stress eating. Not gonna lie, yeah, comfort. You're watching the news twenty four seven, and you've got to have like a chip in your mouth or a carrot right. or whatever. But I got bought a bag of carrots, and I cut a bunch, and I had them out, and we went through the. I was like, oh my god, we went through the whole bag of carrots. Oh no, that was supposed to last us. Yeah, so, so it's I'm funny gonna have that. to go to the store. Yeah, you are, you are. Well, and if they increase this lockdown. What's that, JD? I said that's why it's so important that they announce that the stores are remaining open. I think before that news conference that happened a few days back, um, a lot of people were worried that, you know, they're not hoarding like, I want this so other people can't have it. They're buying because they're worried I won't have anything or enough. How long is this thing going to last? I'm so scared. I don't have all the information. I'm sorry. Some people are doing that with toilet paper. They are. I'm going to add my Irish twin. I'm going to wiggy back on, on, on your complaint because I was that person that ate two bags of potato chips. I bought mm-hmm. the jalapeno because I like it hot Ugh. and it's a green yeah, bag. Because you know, the hot, which the ones? Jalapeno, jalapeno hot. No, they're just jalapeno hot kettle type chips. Oh, oh, potato chips. I don't chips. even know what brand they are. They're my favorite. They're in the green bag. Hey, it's so appropriate. Oh, I know. So, I know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. I, I, I Costco one size? bag. No, not Costco. I won't eat. Okay, you know it's bad when I don't go to Costco. I am a Costco addict, She's and everyone freak. knows it to me. Yeah. And everyone in my family knows I'm a Costco. Mm-hmm. I have not, and will not, nor will I go anywhere near Costco in this right now. It is insane. Yeah. But I did go to the store and I bought two chips. I'm like, this is great for my family. This will last a couple of weeks. I ate one the day I got home and I ate one whole bag yesterday and I did not share it with one person in my family. Right. So you may have kids. No one in my family. Oh, Taylor Everybody grabbed a did. handful. I ate both bags. Of course, Blame jalapeno, it on the potato chips, and carbohydrates it really wreak havoc on your digestive system. They were industrial size Costco bags. Just so oh, people so know. then they you needed extra toilet paper. Size of fifth graders. So I needed extra toilet paper so because it, the, the, it was not that Mindy was just hungry, but she was sort of eating in protest of I think all things right now. <laughs> eat, I, those, eat through those feelings, Pee. You know what? You I always need I any excuse feelings. I can use to eat a bag of jalapeno potato chips. That's just I, me. I do that. But I will tell you, in my ingenuity of stocking my refrigerator and organizing that, I made it a happy thing because I love to organize. Mm-hmm. I consolidated my ketchups, my squeeze bottle ketchups, and I came up with an alternative to toilet paper. The squeeze bottle Heinz ketchup bottle, clear, is now, I call it the redneck bidet. Because, you know, if you run out of toilet paper, you can just... Make your own bidet. But are you talking Rinse for men or for women? So, Mindy, for, for you? listeners who may not know or it's be not French, a douche. What is it's a, bidet? a butt cleaner. Like, you know, a bidet cleans your butt. If you run out of toilet paper, you oh, use it I to see. clean. So you it's, it's a toilet to like clean. a water fountain okay. that you turn Could on you and you demonstrate? sit on it. I'm not going to demonstrate. This is not a show and tell. How would you would you show us how that works, Ben? <laughs> Here, here's a water bottle. Up on top of that water bottle and show us how a homemade. You ever see that trick where someone puts a quarter and they have them look into the can? Oh yeah. Look at, or into the bottle. And they go, oh, look at the quarter moved inside the bottle. Look and they go. 
Just that's how it works. Okay. Squeeze it, but clean in your privies. Clean the privies down and you know what? Did when you stock up to on the toilet paper? Day of the year, I just want you both to know how lucky I feel to be best friends with such empowered women who have such agency. You know, a lot of people are looking at this on the vidcast that's right now, true. thinking, "Oh, JD is not in studio with those other two. They are so brave, and he's such a a wuss, so scared of this disease." But the truth is, we did have a differing difference of opinion on whether we should go mm-hmm. into studio today. But like the true best friends we are, we you got to keep your agency. I kept mine. We we worked it out, and that is really so much. It's kind of a theme of this podcast, if you think about it. I'm having Friendship. a lot of envy for you right now because I face an hour and a half drive home, and you <laughs> have one more bag. And let's of chips. be honest. Uh, oh my there's God. no bag of chips, and there's here. no chips at home. No, fair. actually, the drive. I will tell you that was the. Best drive I've ever experienced yeah. coming LA to LA. Traffic. There was nothing. Coronavirus traffic I've is I've never seen going through downtown LA. There was no, so I was like. Positive things. That's a positive. I started playing cards again with my kids. That was, we have a cards, game called Exploding threat, Kittens. Spread germs. Have you guys ever played Exploding yes. Kittens? That is such a fun game if you don't Exploding have kittens? it. Exploding Kittens. It's sort of oh. like backwards Uno kind of. It's really funny, and there's wonderful jokes, and cats are just funny. They, they do fun, really fun artwork. Right. But, you know, we're going to do more artwork at home. I'm going to yeah, be a homeschooler all of a sudden. God forbid I'm a homeschooler. Right. I will do my best. Oh. Um, but um, I'm going to increase my math tutor's hours so he can help me. Same here. Because I am not a homeschooler. But, look, well. may the force be with all of you. And we are going to walk through this with grace and humor and love. Love. Lots of love. Love and light. Love and light. And lots of hand sanitizer. (laughs) Unconditional regard. Love and unconditional regard for everybody. Oh, I love it. I love you, JD. Stay safe. I love you both. We're going to land this plane. We love you guys and have a wonderful St. Paddy's. Thank you for being our friends, some and then some. Always friends. Join in, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Well, and good luck to you. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Mwah.